Welcome to the History of the Batman with London, recorded live at Meltdown Comics and Collectibles in Hollywood, California. This is where we relive the defining moments of one of the most iconic figures in fiction, the Batman. We are here today with London. This show is produced and engineered by Mason Booker. Meltdown listeners, welcome to another spectacular episode where we're going to hit some very relevant topics, specifically. Well, actually, London, why don't you tell them what's going on? <laughs> I'm getting a little ahead of myself. That's <laughs> okay. Well, um, to, I guess, commemorate the movie that's coming out that everyone is talking about, Batman v Superman Dawn of Justice, which will be out March 25th, we are going to have a special three-episode series talking about a history of Batman and Superman in comics together. I know that from people anticipating the film, whether or not you read comics or you're just into the movies, the idea of Batman and Superman pitted against each other seems rather commonplace within the DC universe or people think that they just hate each other. Mm -hmm. There's so much animosity. And we've touched upon that subject in a, another episode when World's Finest Meet where we discussed all the different times Batman and Superman first met in several different comics and in different universes over the years. But looking at their relationship from the early 1940s to comics today and then anticipating seeing the movie, their relationship and dynamic has changed over the decades and has evolved just like the characters themselves so we're going to look at and highlight certain stories that showcase their team-ups together and then we'll look at many stories that have them fighting against each other and everything in between and seeing how they interact with one another and other characters in the DC universe such as the Justice League and other members and yes we're focusing on Batman and Superman because everyone is very excited for oh, the yeah. movie. Are you excited for the movie? Well yes I am. <laughs> I am actually. And the posters that are all over town. Yes they're everywhere. The way it makes it <laughs> seem is that these two are mortal enemies. Yes the, it. And I think that's the vibe that everyone gets. And so I always love to talk about stories and periods of history in DC Comics where they, they aren't. And even highlighting times when they do fight, they're more friends than enemies. They do have to fight when they have to. It's like they don't do it just because. It's, it's, it's a greater need for them to battle one another than just to pass time <laughs> right it's not the training hobby right but i agree seeing the billboards and the posters and all of the different tv spots and just the advertisement that the studio is doing it gets me so excited yeah and i share it all the time on the instagram blog even though some people don't like the new material that comes out almost daily now because they think they're seeing the whole movie. But right. I think the movie's two and a half hours long, which right. is a long wow, movie. Wow, that is a long movie. <laughs> so seeing bits and pieces, seconds worth of 
material and a lot of it is repetitive we don't even have we, we haven't even really touched the surface I so think. there's that one scene that's been on uh, the trailer where Clark Kent meets Bruce Wayne and then Lex Luthor comes in the middle you know what I'm talking right. about yes have you seen the Jimmy Kimmel I have the Jimmy that Kimmel so spoof funny. on that. Yes, oh, that I watched great. that, and then Matt Damon's there at the end. <laughs> yeah, I mean, talk no, about yeah. ridiculous! It was hilarious. Yeah, so. and and even with that, uh, when when Vin Affleck was on Jimmy Kimmel, they put out the new like forty seconds of the movie, and so all of these appearances, and they're doing just a lot of promotion for the movie, which I think gets everyone so excited to see it. And I'm I'm excited. I've already know. I don't even know how many times I'm gonna I'm going to see the movie. <laughs> I know it's going to be multiple. Yeah, well, how do you plan for that? <laughs> Let me ask you. Get into your Batman mind there. What do you? How do you? So what is a weekend like that? You know, entail. Well, for me, and I'm I'm very lucky um, for this. The movie comes out here March 25th, that Friday. But that Monday, the 21st, I actually get to see a fan screening at the Chinese Theater, which is right around the block here, and I get to see the movie early. Do you have to shout anyone out to get you in there? I mean, how well, that happen? Well, actually, um, myself and and Shadow Adam, who's not here, but we went to see the first trailer screening at the Chinese theater. And as a reward, because if you don't know the background, the day before the trailer leaked online. And so Warner Brothers was of course upset because it was the first full trailer for the movie. But if you went to go see it, in theaters, even though you've seen it online, they reward you in saying you come, you can come back to this theater a week before the movie comes out and you get to see it for free. And that was April of last year. And then just recently, everyone who gave the correct email and got sent tickets and you have a ticket for just one person, it's you, but you get to go see it. So I'm really excited that, that I get to see awesome. it. Yeah, it is. So I'm definitely going to see it that Monday and then I might see it that Thursday night cuz they already have you can already you can already buy advanced tickets. You could buy tickets now if you want to and they already have showings for like Thursday at like 7. And so I might see it then and then WonderCon is that weekend, but hopefully I'll see it Friday and Saturday, maybe one of those days. But right. yeah, I would like to see it multiple times, but I did the same thing with other Batman films. The last one, uh, The Dark Knight Rises, I'm pretty sure I saw that movie in theaters about 10 times. <laughs> and this will probably be the same for this one. I'm really anticipating it. I know a lot of people are. Some people have their doubts. They wonder if they've seen the whole movie already or they think they know what's going to happen. Some people are still kind of against Ben Affleck as Batman, even though I'm a fan from what I've seen and I can't really judge fully until I see the movie. It's kind of hard to do that with, with any of these characters. Everyone wants to put judgment on how they're going to do in the film, but you won't really know until you see the whole thing. So uh, and see it multiple times. A, apparently, a, Yes. And, and I love seeing movies multiple times that I really love, especially when they're in a comic book pop culture universe like this, because you get to pick up on little things that you didn't see the first time. Right. Like the first time, it just kind of all, the two and a half hours will almost fly by. And then, then the second time, I get to look at things that I no, yeah. really want to focus on, Easter eggs, and just pick up on certain things. And every time, you get to know the movie more yeah. and more. See, I find myself, when I see a comic book movie, 
I find myself watching the first time and I am very critical. I'm like, look, I'm looking at everything. I'm, I'm trying mm-hmm. to pick out each <laughs> little part. What happened here? Is that wrong? Is that right? And then the second time I watch it, I can just relax. Right. And then just let it happen again. And I actually think I like it more the second time. Because the first time I want it to do well. I do want the comic book movies to do well. Right. Because I think it's a good thing for comic books. Yes. And, and I want them to succeed. Uh, definitely you know with Deadpool the most recent comic book movie that I saw Mm -hmm. I absolutely loved it me too (laughs) and I saw it with a friend who did not or does not know Deadpool is not familiar with it Mm -hmm. and I found myself giving the easter eggs and telling oh well that's a reference to this or you know that coffee cup with the Rob L is actually the creator and there's so many little (laughs) things that you pick out when you see one of these movies mm-hmm. but uh yeah i think the second time is when i would most enjoy it but yeah and and like you said for these movies to do well it's great for the comic books too uh, yeah. because especially if people going into this movie and they don't know what comics is based off of if they want to know oh what can i read that's kind of similar to what i saw in the movies that's when people like, oh, you can listen to this podcast. And, right, and you they reckon, come to Meltdown. Exactly. They can come to Meltdown and get the comics that the movie's based off right. of. And they'll hopefully will pick up a new hobby or like the comic or like the writer or the artist. Right. And The other thing that I've been excited about to see is that there is a certain voice out there, a certain audience or certain group, naysayers, so to speak, that do say, oh, comic book movies are dead. The, mm-hmm. it's, we've seen it all. It's run its course. It's a, it's we got to move on from this. Mm-hmm. But when you see something like Deadpool, which is a rated R movie that has just exploded on the scene, right. beaten all the records, it does give you hope that you know what this is not dead. And in fact, because comic books have not died, and continue to prosper, continue to come up with original stories, that the movies that follow suit. We'll do the same. Exactly. And, you know, it's it's not a dying breed. It's it's really just getting started. Right. And hopefully with this, once Batman vs. Superman comes out and then the whole DC Universe really picks up momentum, there are going to be people who discover things about these characters they may be familiar with or may not, and it'll just open up a whole new world to them. Right. And there's so many different interpretations of all of these characters, and even characters that have not even seen it themselves on the big screen or even the small screen. There's just, there's a whole world of comics that I don't, I think that's the reason why I don't really think that it will just die off. Right. I'm glad it's it's popular in a sense now, and a lot of people are putting their money and time into making these comic books come to life, which is great for comic book fans like myself. Mm. So, yeah, I don't think that it's going to die off. And if it does die off, it's not going to be anytime soon. Right. (laughs) That is true. Right. So before we get into uh, some of the early stories to Mm -hmm. lay the foundation for the movie, uh, I do want to just give a shout out and let people know that, you know, we are on the Meltdown Network. There are other podcasts that we are putting out there, and we'd love you to check out. We have a podcast called Meltdown Moms, which had a really great recent episode. 
how to stay married. <laughs> We've got our really fun show, Two Packs a Week, where uh, Jeff opens up new cards or actually, I'm sorry, old classic cards and just riffs on them. <laughs> he just had this one recently called Horse Dunk, which is pretty funny. <laughs> and then we've got, you know, Pod Sequentialism with Matt Kennedy. We've got on some hip-hop-ish. So we've got tons of great stuff. So check out MeltComics.com. Look, at, look for some other uh, podcasts if you're interested in nerd-style culture. And uh, enjoy yourself. But in the meantime, while we're here, London, talk to me about some of the stories that we're going to get into that really start to, uh, or the beginnings of the relationship between Batman and Superman. Right. And I personally am a huge fan. I'm a huge fan of golden age stories, which when I say golden age, I mean late 1930s, which is when Superman and Batman were created, to about the mid-1950s. So most of these stories will be in the Golden Age and in the Silver Age, which Silver Age is mid-1950s to early 1970s. And this whole Batman v. Superman concept is... It was definitely not created when they were created. So just in a general sense, Superman was created in 1938 by Jerry Siegel and Joe Shuster. And he debuted in Action Comics number one. And then a year later, Batman was created by Bob Kane and Bill Finger in Detective Comics 27. And we talked a lot about Batman's creation actually in the last episode where Matt Kennedy was a guest. And we talked about the Golden Age creators. And we talked about even Robin being created, which after a year of Batman being in Detective Comics, Robin Dick Grayson was created in Detective Comics 38. And those three characters were very popular. It had national publications or DC Comics as it is today. The sales for comic books skyrocketed. And the idea of a superhero or a hero was just... One of, like I said, very, very popular. And so it made sense at some point that the publication put all of these characters into one book. And the first time you ever see Superman and Batman on a cover together is actually New York World's Fair Comics number two. And just like the title says, it it talked about different stories that happened at the World's Fair. And for number two, issue two, the cover was done by Jack Burnley, who worked on the action comics and Superman comics. He was an artist, illustrator for that. Those stories, they were separate. Superman had his own story going to the World's Fair. Batman and Robin had their own story going to the World's Fair and other heroes within the lexicon at the time. And it was... And what we'll see, especially in most of these stories, we for a while, Superman and Batman don't even come into one story teaming up together for a, about 70 issues. Se- 70 issues of what? Um, we're going into World's Finest. Because okay. in 1940, like, yeah, 1941, there was... The New York's World's Fair was in 1940. And then the next year, World's Best Comics, number one, which was in spring 1941, that hit stands. And that cover has Superman and Batman and Robin. But then the next issue was turned into World's Finest Comics. So mm-hmm. in issue two, it was name was changed to World's Finest Comics. And ever since then, they had 
dozens of issues, but the story or the book would have a Superman story and then that would be separate. And then they would have a Batman and Robin story and that would be separate. And other heroes like as as it goes on in the 40s, like Green Arrow and different characters having their own side stories. And that that book showed different covers of an on world's finest comics. It had Superman and Batman and Robin doing different activities. They're surfing, they're skiing, they're playing baseball, they're being silly. It was a very lighthearted imagery, just as the 1940s were. And they weren't just popular within comics. It was outside of comics too. By 1943, Batman had his own serial, black and white 15-chapter serial by Columbia Pictures, and Superman had his own cartoon series from 1941-1943, and so in their own right, Superman and Batman were popular in action comics and Superman and detective comics and Batman and even Robin and Star Spangled comics, and the 40s was a very rich period for both heroes showing Batman's dark vigilante side in the serials and then showing the superhero archetype Superman in the Fletcher cartoon series. Um, And then we go into the 50s, and that's really the first time we see Superman and Batman together in a story, and it's a story that shows the first time they meet. And that's in Superman 76, and that is in... uh, summer of 1952 and we've talked about this story before it was one of the first stories in the episode when world's finest meet so if you've been listening i'm sure this will sound familiar but it's a edmund hamilton story who was the writer and edward hamilton was on many of the superman books so a lot of the stories we'll talk about in this episode he was the writer and then the artist kurt swan who will be another principal illustrator and Wynne Mortimer he was also illustrator and it's a very silly story but Bruce Wayne and Clark Kent somehow end up on the same cruise ship and due to overcrowding they both end up in the same sleeping quarters and so they meet and then when the lights go out and there's a huge like fire explosion on the boat and there's trouble they both change into the respective costumes mm. and it's dark but then the light comes on and then they both see that Bruce Wayne is Batman and Clark Kent is Superman right. and they discover their secret identities and of course even though they discover this, Batman's like, we don't have time for this. We have to go save these people. And Superman's like, I agree. Let's go. And it, like I said, it's silly, but it's the first time they encounter each other. And it's the first, and they even discover each other's identities. They don't really stop at, oh, we just know that we each other exists. They find out their identities, which is kind of fun, considering those are the just the biggest secrets they both have. So right. they found out together on right. the cruise. Right, they found ship. out together on the cruise. That ship. they had to stay together <laughs> exactly. in the same room. Yes. And even though Bruce Wayne is a millionaire at the time, <laughs> he couldn't afford his he own room. He couldn't afford his own room, or even have a pull to get right. another room. It sounds course. like the uh, <laughs> playtime of. 10 year old <laughs> coming up with a story in the bathtub <laughs> with her Superman and Batman. But, but yes, yes. So that is, and it's in a Superman comic and that's the first time they meet technically. 
And then, like I said, in the world's finest comics, there are about four different stories. They each have their different stories. Superman has his, Batman and Robin have theirs. And it wasn't until issue 71, so world's finest comic 71, from July 1954, that it's the first time they have a team up. So it's on the splash page, it says Superman and Batman in one adventure together. And it's a really big deal because even though it's been 71 issues that they've been seen either on the cover or in separate stories, this is the first team up and it'll be a long history of team ups. And this was written by Alvin Schwartz and there was art by Kurt Swan once again and Stan Kay. And this is actually a really fun story. Um, Lois Lane, who is a reporter, of course, she discovers that Clark Kent is Superman and Clark kind of is is concerned because, of course, she's like, oh, I know who Superman is. I'm going to go and write the story of the century and everyone will know who amazing Superman is. And once Superman helps Batman and Robin on a mission or a crime, uh, he tells Batman that Lois knows a secret and Batman says, well, she, to, I guess, kill some time or try to figure out a way to get her to not know that it's you, why don't we switch costumes? So when she tries to go and interview Superman, it's really Bruce Wayne under the Superman costume. And then, of course... Well, how does he deal with the mask or lack thereof? I mean, Well... Apparently, and this was actually really common, even in the comics, it's almost an outside thing. The Batman or Bruce Wayne and Clark Kent in the comics, they were drawn and they looked very similar to one another. They favored each other highly. And they they even mentioned that in the story and outside the story, too. I mean, if you look at a Bruce Wayne, Golden Age Bruce Wayne, a Golden Age Clark Kent in comics, they look very similar. Of course, it depends on the artist, but the jaw structure and the hair for most part and the body type, they look similar. So, And it's funny because they switch costumes. So Bruce Wayne is Superman and then Superman says, okay, I'll help Robin because you guys have to stop these thugs in Gotham. So I'll be Batman. So Clark Kent is Batman and he works with Robin. And for that whole length of the story, they are their counterparts. And it's funny because even though this seems like a really silly story and a really silly way to get out of Lois figuring out the real identity of Superman, this you see this in other future stories where they switch costumes. And you even see this sometimes in like the animated series and other things like that. So their first team up is them switching identities, which I think is fun and is really telling of the time period we're in the 1950s, the golden age, silver age stories. They're it's not as serious as it was before. I'm sure if Batman was Superman and vice versa in the comics today, there would be lots of angry fans and they would just rip it to shreds because I don't know. I just think that that would be the response, but I think it's a really great story and the art is fantastic. Anything Kurt Swan does, who was an artist on, on Superman, it's fantastic. Um, but yeah, so that was the first team up. And then there were, other stories that I mean throughout World's Finest, World Finest has gone for many volumes, but through the nineteen forties to the nineteen eighties, so about forty years, World's Finest continued and 
It even continued into the 1960s. And by this time, like 1964, Batman gets his new look. So we we go from the regular black symbol of the bat on his chest to the bright yellow oval emblem. And that's introduced in a detective comic story. It's drawn by Carmen Infantino. And around this time, we also get another great World's Finest story. So the first time you see Batman's new look, as it was called, or termed by Julia Schwartz, who was editor of DC at the time, in World's Finest 141, and that was in May of 1964. Mm -hmm. In the next issue, we have a story that I think is one of the most remembered or popular world's finest stories from this era and it's the composite superman and it's another story by edmund hamilton and kurt swan is does the pencils and george klein i believe does the inks and the colors and it's a great story it's a, a janitor at the legion of superheroes museum that is struck by lightning or lightning strikes the I guess the mannequins or the figures in the Legion of Superheroes that is just a line of all of the superheroes and it gives the janitor all of the powers of the Legion of the Superheroes. So he has literally all the powers you can ever imagine, all the powers of Superman and everyone in the Legion. And he becomes this overly powered being, but on the outside, he's a mixture of Superman and Batman. So he's half Superman and then half Batman and he's called the composite Superman and he doesn't like his life because he's a janitor and he doesn't think he'll amount to anything but once he gets all of these amazing powers he wants to join world's finest he wants to work with Superman and Batman and he says if you don't let me work with you I'm going to reveal to the world your identities because through I think it's Supergirl's telepathy he knows that Bruce Wayne is Batman and Clark Kent is Superman and so they have to fight him to stop him from revealing who they are to the world and eventually and I kind of didn't like how it ended his powers just kind of fade away Mm. and of course his memory fades away too so he doesn't know all the horrible things that happened or anything and then he just goes back to the regular janitor how convenient (laughs) I know right I wish it would have ended some other way but it's a fun story and this story has been reprinted in other world's finest comics it was even the character was on like Justice League Unlimited the composite Superman and if you look it up, it has its own like action figures and DC collectibles because the imagery is just awesome. And I always wondered, well, with, with Superman, it, I don't know. It just the look of it is very fun. And the fact that his his powers amount to way more than even Superman has, you would think that he could dominate at least for longer than one issue. But I understand that <laughs> he can't, but yeah. So These stories are so basic in the beginning. It's so interesting, <laughs> right? right? It's very simple, and then it gets, for some reason, crazy and complex. But... I guess it's like anything. It's a new medium at the time. Yeah. New stories, new explorations. I mean, there's got to be a half Superman, half Batman sometime. Right. <laughs> and uh, I mean, it, it is very interesting. When you think about like the Justice League, of America or the, that old cartoon, Super mm-hmm. Friends. Right, yes. It was a basic show. I mean, there wasn't much depth, I guess, for right. lack of a better word. It just was there. It was easy to digest, and it was 
bright colors and very right. simple. And as things have just progressed, obviously there's less and less stories and you have to tell them in different ways, you know, because some, somebody probably already told your story, so you better come up with a new one. Or a, <laughs> you and have then, to put a different spin on exactly. it. Exactly. <laughs> and then it's just about being, you know, different or uh, I guess incorporating different moods and different, mm-hmm. I guess, depth to the characters. And, you know, it's so when you hear these old stories, I'm fascinated that you still get enjoyment from reading them. I do. And maybe it's because I I know it's in, within this time period. So I try not to compare it to the Batman comics that I read right now because right. if I'm like, oh, it should be just like this, I wouldn't enjoy it at all. I would just think, oh, it's outdated and Batman would never say this and Superman would never right. do that. You're and... so disciplined, I guess. <laughs> I mean, because I want to read these. I, I do want to <laughs> go back and read them, but it just seems so hard for me. If I'm not reading them to my kids, I'm like, uh no, I, I try to look at it. I look at the story, but I look at it from the visual standpoint, too, because these artists are amazing, just that like the true. artists they are today. I mean, because these artists influence the art that we see now. So I look at it from that standpoint. And, yeah, I, I put it within its era. I don't take it out of its time period just like with anything especially the comics that were done during world war ii people are like oh that's so racist because they say this and that and right. and it's like well yeah but if you put it within the historical context you know why it was okay for this even to be printed <laughs> that is true so i kind of try to look at the stories in that no, way i but... think that's the way to do it i mean it is a way to when you are looking at these stories for a deeper understanding and a deeper knowledge and i think you know to shout him out again but i think matt kennedy kind of points this out on his podcast with a lot of various shows that he does but it is about not only understanding the art it's you know the art itself but what went into it and what was the 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 forces the energy behind whatever was done right and the fact that you're able to do that is pretty impressive because obviously (laughs) You can report on it. You have reported on it, and you've read it. So right, and like I said, the when this creative team was thinking of composite Superman and kind of what this character is, that would, I mean, I'm sure they had reasons to put all of these powers together and to give this threat of sorts to this team. So. Unless we were there and unless we hear it from them, we don't know exactly why they did certain stories. But if they all kind of fit into the same time period, the same mold, the same type of story that they wanted to print and give to the reader. But, I mean, talking about these in World's Finest, you and we're in the mid-60s. I mean, it, it matches because Batman 66, the live action show, started two years later in 66. And that was, of course, as we know of cultural phenomenon and i mean i know super friends started in the 70s but the batman stories even for the tv show they were bright and colorful but the rogues and what they did and kind of their plots they seem silly but they're kind of intricate in certain ways like when the joker did something when riddler did something there was so much detail in it and it wasn't as straightforward and of course it was always it would be a two-parter at the end you don't know if batman's going to escape the trap and it's 
it's so it's so much drama behind it but there's also so much detail and even though it's silly now then it was almost had it was almost thrilling to the right. audience and fun at the same time did superman ever make an appearance on batman 66 show no but one of my favorite uh what? well they no they don't really you don't really see batman and superman together until the cartoons until mm. like the early 70s until super friends um and then they shared the batman and robin and superman hourly adventure cartoons so you're like talking about another medium besides comics. right okay. so in comics batman and superman were yeah. together but in terms of live action right which is why it's a really big deal that Batman vs Superman is happening because oh, this is the first time Heroes on live action cinema that we see these characters. We in live action cinema, we've never seen them before. Now, if you talk about like the Lego Movie or something, that's different. But where we have live action, this is the first time. So it is. It's historic just by itself. So yeah, we don't we see Batman, Superman in comics. We later see them in the cartoons in the seventies and. And but yeah, World's Finest was definitely the publication to read if you were a fan of both of these characters, especially if you read Superman and Action Comics and Batman and Detective Comics. Um, and another World's Finest story, which is now more famous than I think people realize, it's World's Finest 153. That was in 1965. And it's one of the many imaginary stories that happened in World's Finest. And now people know imaginary stories as Elseworlds. And Elseworlds, that that label, that imprint in DC Comics didn't, didn't start until 1989 with Batman Gotham by Gaslight. But imaginary stories happened from the 50s till about the 80s, and then it kind of died off. But it's the same concept. It's the story that is in another alternate universe. Anything can happen. It doesn't follow the regular continuity of comics. It's not going to throw you off with what's happening in one Batman comic or one Superman comic and they did a war and they did an imaginary story in World's Finest 153 and in this story Bruce Wayne knows or believes that the person who killed his father Thomas Wayne was Superboy mm. and Superboy grows up to be Superman and Bruce Wayne turns into Batman and his goal in life is to track down and kill Superman for killing his father. And Batman has this crazy obsession about Superman and he has Robin, Dick Grayson as as his sidekick and Robin is concerned that Batman is so obsessed over Superman and he's not his usual self and now this panel is it's an internet meme now but Batman slaps Robin across the face and you know he's like no you don't know what you're talking about and he goes full on just ridiculous and he erases Robin's memory Dick Grayson's memory and then he sends it back to the orphanage and so Robin doesn't even know about anything about Batman or anything because he's so mad at him from being mad about Superman killing his father but that panel with Batman slapping Robin across the face I'm sure if you just type in Batman memes in Google that's the first thing you'll see and I'm sure the text is different <laughs> but if you do want to see the original panel either look in trade paperbacks or look up World's Finest 153 and that's where you'll see it 
But the story continues and Batman teams up with Lex Luthor to try to stop Superman because, of course, Lex Luthor has all this kryptonite and they do this whole plot and they try to stop Superman. And this is one of the first stories... And we'll talk about a few more in World's Finest that we see Batman hating Superman. But, of course, this is an imaginary story. So it, it's not real. And, of course, that's what their friendship is. Okay. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, so that's a really fun story. It's a great imaginary story if you're into imaginary stories or Elseworlds. This is a precursor to Elseworlds. And then the last story from the World's Finest that we're going to talk about for this episode is actually World's Finest 197. And it is an issue of reprints from mm. different World's Finest stories. And the all three stories talk about Batman and Superman fighting. So in the first one, it's from World's Finest 122. And that was in 1961, yeah, early 60s. And in this story, Batman and Superman, I mean, Batman and Robin are told by this alien being from another planet that Superman com committed all of these crimes on his home planet and that, they, that he should be arrested. And so for Batman and Robin, they feel like, okay, this is our civic duty to go and arrest Superman, even though he's our best friend. <laughs> so they know in that story that he is their friend? Yes. So prior to going? Right. So in this, so yeah, so Clore, uh, I think the alien's name, goes to Batman and Superman. They, uh, Batman and Robin, they know that Superman and all of them work together, but they said it's your duty to arrest him because he committed all of these crimes on our planet. So Batman and Robin go through all of these trials to try to arrest Superman because, of course, Superman is Superman. But in the end, they use kryptonite and weaken him and they arrest him. But. In the end, they learned that Superman was framed and it was Clore or the alien himself that was committing all these crimes. And he wanted to blame it on the Man of Steel. Seems kind of reckless for Batman <laughs> and uh, Robin to just take Clore's word. I know. But of course, Batman investigates and investigates okay. Clore's um But it still led story. to a fight. Right. It still led to Batman and Robin saying, okay, well, I guess we have to take Superman in. So that was the fight that they had. How'd that fight go for those two? Uh, I mean, Batman and Robin, how'd it go for them against Superman? Uh, they did a lot of different, they like dressed in different costumes and tried to trick Superman. But in the end, they had to use um, a, just this object that was made out of kryptonite. And of course, anytime Superman is near it, he's automatically weak. And then he's so like, they... okay, a given. Yeah. And he's arrested, and then they go, and they learn that Clore, like, kind of brainwashed Superman and made him do all of these things that he can't even remember, and it was all Clore's plan. And so Batman discovered that because he investigated, because he's the world's greatest detective. So he found out that his friend didn't do these horrible crimes after all. During that fight, though, did Superman get any good hits on Robin or Yeah, Batman? and he tricked him, and it, it, it's hard. That's why it wasn't like the first time they tried, <laughs> he won, because I think it's important to show that Superman is Superman. He has all these powers. He's pretty much involved, uh, is immortal in a way. And then Batman is mortal and Robin too. And even trying to stop Superman, it takes a few times to get there. And so I think while people, just a side thing, people are excited about Batman versus Superman and they want to read certain comics, say, oh yeah, Batman's going to win. There's, there's a, there's failure and I guess weakness on both sides. So 
it's good to go into the movie thinking about that. <laughs> All right. But um, and then another story that's within World's Finest 197. Another reprint was from World's Finest 143, and that was in 1964. It's another Edmund Hamilton story. It's called The Feud Between Batman and Superman, and <laughs> Batman and Superman are working together, and they're taking out down this guy, and he shoots Superman. The bullet ricochets off of Superman and hits Batman and injures him. And from this injury, Batman totally goes into like this mini depression saying, I'm not a good crime fighter. I am not up to par to be working. And I, and you're dangerous, Superman, because you can't get hurt, but I can. And he totally is down on himself. And he tells Robin, okay, we can't work with Superman anymore. Mm-hmm. And so Superman tries to build up his morale. And he sets up this kind of fake distress in the bottled city of Kandor for I'm sure people who like Superman know oh, yeah. it's like right Kandor I'm sure people are familiar with it but still they... don't understand that <laughs> completely but I am familiar but, with the yes, small city it's a small city bottled city in a bottle right and they go to this city and Superman has this whole thing set up where Batman is you know he saves the day but of course Batman being the intelligent guy that he is figures out that this is all a setup and he's so mad that he fights Batman in Kandor and since Kandor is a kind of ancient city the technology isn't up to par Batman and Superman fight and Batman actually gets the upper hand and he wins in Kandor and then it all leads to an evil being in Kandor capturing Superman a lot of the people on Superman are are on Kandor more powerful and Batman and Robin have to come and save him and then they're all friends again and Batman thinks that well I saved Superman and I'm a good crime fighter after all and everything's all fine rectified and it's it's good <laughs> there you go <laughs> and the last one that we'll talk about this episode um is still in world's finest 197 and it's called prison for heroes it's another hamilton and kurt swan story and batman is at wayne manor and he is kind of drawn into this magical force to the Batcave and he becomes hypnotized and taken to this other other planet, this other strange world and he becomes the warden of this prison that holds superheroes and there are all these different heroes and he tricks Superman into into being arrested and they use red sunlight because red sunlight takes away Superman's powers or he isn't he isn't powerful and he can't do anything so he is a prisoner in Batman's prison I guess <laughs> and he's a really mean warden and so all of the heroes that are in the prison including Superman have to come together and take down Batman when Superman regains his powers from being exposed to sunlight the right sunlight and then they take Batman off of the his in his he's hypnotized so he becomes unhypnotized and then Batman and Superman work together and they escape the planet <laughs> so in Batman's a warden that arrests him Batman and Robin arrest Superman because they think he did bad crimes and Batman and Superman fight in Kandor so these versus stories they're still in the same kind of light-hearted sense but in our next episode we're going to go into post-crisis in the mid-1980s and we're going to start talking about how their relationship their dynamic changes from being always just the superhero team up their best friends to having a little bit of mistrust misunderstanding and animosity between the two right so it sounds like it also sounds like in the beginning, the stories 
Are they well? Let me just ask this: Are the stories connected in the beginning? The stories we've just gone over are they connected mm-hmm. in one universe and that they still know each other? They still build upon each yes, other. Yes, okay. yes. This is all within the same universe. Besides the imaginary story that we talked about, which is a, like the Elseworlds, everything is connected and they all know each other and everything is built on that continuity. This, I guess, Earth One now, Golden Silver Age continuity. Okay. So when they meet each other, generally it's it's one issue. Is that right. fair to say? Yes. So there's nothing that extends beyond. Right. And no plots. Do any plots ever go from, let's say, World's Finest into Batman or into Detective Comics or into Superman or anything like that? Or are they just all confined to that one issue? Well, the stories that we talked about in right. the early World's Finest, they're all confined to that one issue. Okay. There aren't really story arcs yet, I all guess. Right. There aren't any crossovers. There you go. <laughs> so then what you're talking about, what we're going to talk about next episode, is just bigger stories. Right, bigger stories. Some stories will be three to four issues. Other stories are just one comic. Right, which leads to the depth of the relationship or the complexities of the relationship. Right. And then the uh, overall, I guess, dynamics of what happens in in the bigger sense of the universe itself. Yes, exactly. And it's just another part of the evolution of the relationship between Batman and Superman. Right. Because it sounds a lot like in the beginning... You know, once something was resolved, it was resolved. Right. That was the end of the story. We're all fine and friends now, and that was it. (laughs) But I think a hallmark of the comics that we read now, and probably what we're going to be talking about next episode, is that sometimes there's a plot, you know, line that continues throughout multiple issues, multiple comics, and lasts over multiple years because it may not be addressed in you know, such extreme measures all the time. Exactly. The events that happen in one issue, even in several issues down the line, those that instance will kind of be brought up again or it's right. not forgotten. It's not like it didn't happen just because we're in a new comic. Right, which also leads to the complexity of the Batman-Superman relationship. Exactly. All right, <laughs> I think I got it. Thank you for summing up with me. <laughs> all right, well, so next week we will go over... You said post-crisis. Right, post-crisis. It'll be part two of this three-episode series, and it'll be 1986 to the early 2000s. We'll talk about several stories. And you're doing something on Instagram right now, right? Is there a... Yeah, if you are following on Instagram dot com slash history of the batman every day started march 1st it's gonna the last day it's gonna be march 25th we're counting down in a sense to the movie so every day there will be a different batman superman story um it'll be some of the stories that we talked about in this episode and some of the stories we'll talk about the other episodes but if you want to have a more in-depth analysis of the stories i talked about here or you want to anticipate the next stories definitely follow because it'll be every day we have a new story and it's another part that kind of shows a relationship between the two heroes that everyone's so excited to see in the movie that's awesome well, good. Thanks. I'm sure people are learning a ton and Hopefully. you know building their knowledge <laughs> because there is so much to this movie that uh, you may only see the posters and think one thing, but know that there is a deep, deep history yes. between these two characters. Definitely. And that can go for any of these comic book characters. True, true. But we are talking about Batman. <laughs> yes, of course. So, All right. Well, how can the people reach you? 
Well, you can always email me at historyofthebatman at gmail.com. If you have comments about this show or requests for future shows or any of your comments are welcomed, you can follow on Instagram.com slash historyofthebatman if you want to send me a DM, direct message. You can also follow on Twitter at twitter.com slash histofthebatman on Tumblr at historythebatman.tumblr.com and on Facebook at facebook.com slash historythebatman. But yes, if you want to talk to me, reach out to me about anything on the podcast or anything, you can always email at historyofthebatman at gmail.com. Perfect, perfect. And you can check out us on meltcomics.com. Each new episode we post on the website. You can also find us on iTunes, Audio Boom. Stitcher and I guess anywhere else so just <laughs> check out History of the Batman with London alright London I guess we'll see you next week and as always peace love and Batman <laughs> <laughs>